You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, soggy Monday in Knoxville, Tennessee time. Not a not a great sports weekend for the University of Tennessee time. That's okay. Uh, eventually, you, you get used to it time. Whatever time of date is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here, as I just mentioned, on a soggy, soggy Monday here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Had a lot of rain over the weekend. Um, but we know what's interesting to me is that uh, Tennessee played four baseball games over the weekend and was able to do it despite it raining literally the entire time. Uh, because they have that turf field. It's interesting to think of baseball on a turf, but uh, that was something that, that's it's interesting just because it rained so, so much, and they were able to play four games in three days. It's just not something that you see all that often. Um, but it didn't just rain physically. It also rained metaphorically on the Vols quite a bit over the weekend. Um, you know, we're going to talk in the second segment about Tennessee basketball, which has finally fallen out of the AP Top 25 after just, just a, another – Loss that should not have been a loss over the weekend uh, at at Auburn, playing without its best player, uh, Sharif Cooper, lottery pick point guard, uh, Tennessee. Now six and six, I believe, in the past twelve games. We'll have Grant Ramey on in the second segment to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Tennessee baseball, after winning, I believe, its first five games, pretty you know, pretty, looked pretty good. Uh, and then one Friday night against Indiana State, lost two games of a doubleheader Saturday, and, and then. Lost one of the games, both of them close games, one of them in one of the dumbest ways I've ever seen a team lose a game. Uh, but that just happens. Baseball's a funny game. Things like that happen. Vols came back, got the win on Sunday, so they kind of righted the ship there. Um, but what we're going to spend a lot of time talking about here in the first segment is Tennessee uh, football recruiting, specifically quarterback recruiting, uh, because very, very clearly that has not been a very good, what, 72 hours or so for the Vols there. So to do that, we're going to go over to the uh, Clown Car Full of Children Home Daycare Center uh, of Go Vols 24-7 to speak with Ryan Callahan. Ryan, what's up, man? Hello, Wes. I got you there. I think I think I had you muted at first now. Ryan, what's up, uh, man? Okay. Yeah, you are going to let me talk. That's nice. No, I'm yeah. doing okay, Wes. I, How are you? Doing all right. The more you talk, the less I talk is better on this episode because I've got – just one of those, just my nose is stopped up, sounding all kind of like a, my voice is even worse than usual. Um, but uh, we got a lot to discuss, so we're, we're going to get right to it, Ryan. Uh, Tennessee was hoping, uh, sort of hoping against hope, uh, that it could kind of tug at the heartstrings a little bit and uh, convince Ty Simpson from Martin, Tennessee, one of the, as you've said several times, the, the best quarterback prospect to come out of Tennessee in a long, long time. Uh, hoping to convince him not to go to either Alabama or Clemson. Didn't work out. He commits to Alabama and then perhaps um, lets the cat out of the bag and says that he had known for a while that he was going to go to Alabama. So 
We'll talk about that too. Uh, but then Tennessee was hoping, hey, that's okay. Uh, another big elite quarterback prospect from the South, uh, actually closer to Knoxville than Martin, Tennessee is, which is Sam Horn, uh, hoping they could get him committed. And then lo and behold, just about, what, 48 hours later or so, he commits to Missouri. So Tennessee's, I assume, top two quarterback quarter targets, or at least two of the top quarterback targets, now off the board, um, sort of encapsulate the past few days uh, and what it's sort of meant for Tennessee with with regards to uh, quarterback recruiting. Yeah, well, t- Tennessee, I think, it, it, had gone into Friday not knowing for sure what, what Ty Simpson was going to do. Uh, I think he had done uh, a pretty good job of keeping – uh, at least two of his three finalists in the dark. I, I think he obviously let Alabama know ahead of time what he was doing, but I don't think he really told Clemson or Tennessee until Friday. So they're, you know, n- knowing that other teams had not given up hope, uh, there was some mystery going into that one. And so, uh, so you, you don't always know in those types of situations, what's going to happen. And he had continued to sort of, you know, play things like it was like it was still uncertain, like like he was still listening to Tennessee and, and maybe he was on some level. But uh, because you do see that sometimes where kids will, you know, have, even have privately committed to a staff and will still listen. And sometimes they change their minds even after telling another staff they're coming, um, you know, for, in Tennessee's recent past. Guys like Jay Hardy, you know, clearly had told Tennessee they were coming, changed their minds when they went on another visit to you know Auburn or wherever that happens. So you can't say that a, that a kid's not listening. If he's talking to you, there's always a chance. You never know. But he did that with Tennessee, kept the door open, talked with him Thursday night um, before his announcement Friday afternoon. So there was at least some hope going into it. Um, but as, as I think we found out Friday and, and, you know, it kind of matches with a lot of what I had been hearing really for weeks um, behind, behind the scenes that Alabama was maybe the team to beat. Uh, you just didn't know if a new staff at Tennessee could turn things around, could change his mind. It's hard to sometimes gauge the dynamic with a new staff, so you didn't rule out anything. But Alabama had been kind of the constant on, on what I had heard um, o- over the past several weeks, really. And so uh, it's not surprising to me that Alabama was the choice, but it's a it's a blow to Tennessee. There's no way no way around that, as, as you said. Maybe not just the best quarterback prospect to come out of Tennessee in a long time, maybe the best ever uh, when you look back at just what the state has produced and in the modern era of football where quarterback has become a passer heavy position, you know, the past 50 years or so it's, there's not a whole lot to compare to what Ty Simpson is nationally. Um, You'd have to go pretty far back to come up with something even comparable. So to to have that kind of guy in your state and miss out on him, uh, even, even though it is a new staff, it's, it's unfortunate for Tennessee, but that's obviously one that fans are going to be, uh, kind of steaming about for a while, uh, understandably so. And I, I don't think it's anything Josh Heupel's staff did wrong. It's just sort of the circumstances of the situation. I, I think he's sort of had his had his mind made up on on picking Alabama for a while. And, uh, and so then, obviously, Tennessee had already started to have communication with Sam Horn, uh, a, a guy that's got both, you know, both of his parents went to Tennessee. He's got an older brother who's a sophomore at Tennessee right now. So he's got – multiple family ties. He's grown up with season tickets. Uh, his family's had season tickets to Neyland stadium uh, to go to Tennessee home games. They, they go to usually at least one a year. He said it's a little harder for him to go now with baseball and everything else he does, but he goes to at least one a year. And uh, so they, he's obviously grown up with orange blood. And, uh, and that's a guy that when he got his offer from Tennessee's former staff back in May was, was ready to, you know, probably ready to commit not long after that, if, if Tennessee had really recruited him at all. Um, but it turned out that offer was, 
almost the extent of Tennessee's involvement with him and the Vols never really prioritized him or even had regular communication with him at all. So I think he just kind of moved on from Tennessee. And so in the months since then, Missouri and now, some other now, schools. Pr- probably fair to say because the, the former staff felt that confident that it was going to get Simpson, probably. Horn was down the board. Horn wasn't even their number two choice. Okay, good. I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, I mean, they, they had talked to some other quarterbacks, uh, Connor Harrell in Alabama. They obviously had some interaction with Caden Martin. Uh, who's also announcing a decision this week over at Knoxville Catholic uh, that Tennessee's new staff hasn't been involved there. So I don't think they'll, if he picks, if he chooses a school based on football, I don't think it will be Tennessee this week. Um, you know, perhaps could still commit to Tennessee to play baseball, but he's, he's expressed interest in playing both sports, um, but Tennessee's new staff hasn't been involved there, but that's another guy that the former staff had recruited, but yeah, they had essentially gone in on Ty Simpson. So that was definitely part of it, but uh, yeah, all, all indications uh, were that, that, Sam Horn was not even number two on, on Tennessee's quarterback board. And, and maybe, I don't know how, how low he was, but he was clearly down the board a little bit. And just a guy that, you know, I, I asked him his in, interaction with Tennessee's former staff. And he said, occasionally he'd get an edit of some sort from Brian Niedermeyer, the former inside linebackers coach. And that was about the extent of it. Uh, and that's usually a sign that you're not really a priority target for a staff. If you're not even getting a, Hey, what's up every once in a while. So that's uh, you know, that, that I think kind of just, struck Tennessee off the list for him at a certain point, uh, which was disappointing to him because he, he obviously had such deep ties to Tennessee and, and then a new staff comes in. And I, I don't know that it would have made any difference, but I'm sure the fact that he saw a new staff come in and, you know, still knew they were recruiting Ty Simpson. Um, you know, maybe if Tennessee comes in right out, right out of the gates and talks to Sam Horn and focuses on him from day one, maybe that could have changed things, but I'm not sure even that would have really done much to, to shake things up. And, so he goes with the staff that's been on him for months, Missouri, and, and now Tennessee, as you said, not just not just two of. I think those were pretty clearly the top two targets this staff had really focused on quarterback-wise already off the board. Um, you know, Maybe there's still a chance to continue recruiting one or both of those guys, and and you never never rule out anything in recruiting, but it, it certainly doesn't look good for Tennessee having a chance of landing one of those guys. And now we've already seen offers on Sunday to a couple more quarterbacks, and, and I'm sure they'll still – you know, continue to look around at other options and see what else is out there now because they're essentially kind of starting from starting from scratch a little bit with some of these guys as they uh, as they now look for other options. Yeah, before we dive into some of these maybe potentially some of these new quarterback options, I just want to say one thing, and I know that that when I say something like this, it probably sounds like preaching to the choir because it, it largely is uh, because I think the vast majority of people understand things like this. But there's always that vocal minority that doesn't understand things, and 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 so uh, they get a little bit think a little bit more with the uh, the heart than the head, which is not a crime, but uh, certainly is is not what I would call ideal. Uh, Ty Simpson, a lot of people wanted him to go to Tennessee. A lot of people around him, frankly, wanted him to go to Tennessee. I think if you're that young man and you really take a step back and you look at the options that are out there for you right now and you look at what's been going on with Tennessee recently, and your other options are you know, any, essentially anywhere you want to go, um, but Alabama and Clemson up there at the top, uh, I don't know how anyone could honestly, in their right mind, blame him for doing that. Um, because especially now with these transfer rules that are going to get passed, if you get this decision wrong, you can always you know, kind of make another decision and go to Tennessee or go somewhere else. Um, but I, I just – I don't – I don't know how you can blame a kid for making that decision right now because this is not, you know, you want to think with your heart, um, but when you're as talented as some of these these young men are, you're potentially worth millions and millions of dollars at some point. You got a family to think about. You got a future to think about. I, I don't, I just, I don't, 
I don't understand why people are would be so furious with the young man. Am I am I naive about that at this point, Ryan? Or, or no? Well, I I think I mean fans in in most states and and but especially in Tennessee, I think there is a tendency to think that in-state players should go to Tennessee. And, and I understand that, you know, certainly it's, uh, there, there are plenty of reasons for in-state players to stay at Tennessee and you do everything you can to try to sell that in recruiting. And there, there's no, there's no question. There are benefits to that. Jason Simpson, uh, Ty's father admitted that, you know, in a, in a recent interview he did, you know, Ty knows there are reasons that, that it, it would benefit him to go uh, to an in-state school. So uh, yeah, that, that, that I think fans tend to think that pitch and the desire to fix a, you know, the home state school should, should over overpower everything else that other schools are throwing at you in some cases. But the reality is everybody has a hard time keeping top players in their own States. I, I mentioned this a couple of days ago, Alabama lost Justin Ross to Clemson. Um, yep. Jameis Winston got out of Alabama and went to Florida state. I mean, he, even a program like that doesn't get every single player at once in state Georgia how many players over the years could you point to that Georgia let out of its state for one reason or another, sometimes by their choice, sometimes because they lose battles. Um, so there's, it's just hard these days. Kids, kids are more willing to leave their own States. Uh, it's just an easier time to, to, to get around and go somewhere else. You know, Trevor Lawrence goes to Clemson instead of, instead of Georgia. It, well, it just, and, and it happens. Look at what those often look at what Alabama's offense is doing right now. Yeah. Look, look at the receivers that are going there and running backs on an annual basis. If you are a quarterback, how can you not be enticed by that? Now, again, I'm not saying that the young man made the right or the wrong decision. He made the decision that he felt was best for himself. That's, I think that's what any young man should do. Make the decision that you feel like is the best decision for yourself, for your family, for your future. But I just, it, I hate seeing some of the vitriol directed at some of these kids because, first off, they are kids. Secondly, I... <sighs> You know, how can you not – how can there not be a part of your brain that goes, I don't like this, but I get it, you know? That's just – that's the way I think about it. I mean, there's no there's no need to, to sit here and wax poetically about it. I, I just – you know, I, I think it's unfortunate. Um, and, again, cards on the table here. Uh, I've known that uh, – I've known his dad for a long time, used to cover him. That's a heck of a family, and he's raised that kid. And they've done a great job. I, I – you know, I, I see things differently, I guess, than the way a lot of people would. But even then, I just wish people would understand why these kids do some of the things they do. And even if they're not in the right decision, they're the decision that the kids made at the time. That's what right. they wanted to do. Like that's, yep. you know, and do you not want someone who wants to be at your program? You know, if you go get, you know, maybe there's another guy in South Carolina, Texas, Florida, Louisiana, California, Frick, Idaho, wherever. You know, go get a quarterback who wants to be there. You just got one in Caden Salter, by the way, who is a really, really good prospect. And that's just like, you know, he's a freshman now. Like, he has, he's just, just enrolled like last month. So yeah. it, I don't think the sky's falling in that way. Tennessee's got to get a lot better at a lot of places, <laughs> not just quarterback. Tennessee's got to get better all over the place. Now, I understand why people are hurt, but, I mean, again, at the end of the day, guys, just – he made his decision. Just move on, you know? Well, uh, I mean, it's yeah, it, it, easy to say. I mean, I've seen enough of these over the years. You know, Cade Mays, heck, years ago, Brandon Warren. You know, there, there have been plenty of local and in-state guys who've spurned Tennessee over the years, and it, fan, fans are going to be upset by that. It, it's, that's part hey, of the game. Harrison you put, Smith, yeah. 
yeah, when you put when you put passion and uh, and all that into a program, and and you have local players that are that important, you, you want to get them. So I understand, and especially in this case, I think it hurts Tennessee because fans know how close Tennessee was to probably getting Ty Simpson. If Jeremy Pruitt's still Tennessee's coach, Ty Simpson's probably committed to Tennessee right now. Agreed. Uh, you know, there was uh, there there were there were definitely conversations about uh, uh, at least about Jason Simpson potentially joining Tennessee's staff. That would have definitely you know, certainly given Tennessee a good chance of locking things up there. So I think all of that pointed to Ty Simpson likely ending up at Tennessee. And so that makes it more painful for Vols fans. I get that. Uh, and they've, they've recruited him for almost three years. Uh, they, they offered him back in the summer of 2018 when he was going into his freshman year of high school. So this is a lot of time and energy that, that two staffs now have put into Ty Simpson and, 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 and for fans to hear too, that, you know, he threw out in one interview on another site that on February 1st, he knew he was going to Alabama. Uh, whether that's the exact date or not, I, I, I can't vouch for that, but I, I will say that definitely matches up with a lot of things I had heard. And frankly, I was tempted on, and in hindsight, I probably should have, I just didn't want to, um, didn't want to underestimate the potential effect of a new staff at Tennessee, especially if someone came in that could sell, uh, quarterback development or or a proven name if they hired someone like that. But I was tempted to make a crystal ball pick for Alabama the day Jeremy Pruitt was fired because I thought that was probably the end of Tennessee's chances of landing him, knowing how much he liked Alabama uh, at that time. And I, I think two things have happened with Alabama. I, I had some fans argue with me or debate this a little bit with, the, with me on the checkerboard on Go Vols 24-7, um, you know, kind of down on Alabama's quarterback development over the years, but two things have really changed about that. One, Alabama's offense is obviously a lot different from what it was seven or eight years ago. Yes. They're throwing the ball around a, a ton, obviously putting up big numbers, putting receivers in the NFL all the time, a great offensive line in front of you. There's no reason for a quarterback to look at that situation and not these days be impressed and, and excited about his potential there. So that's one thing. The other thing is I think Ty Simpson looked at it and Mac Jones to me is, is kind of changed the perception of what you can do there as a quarterback. You know, it's one thing for Tua Tungavailoa, even Jalen Hurts, guys like that to go there and have success. They were big time prospects. Mac Jones was a relatively big time prospect, but he was a four star and, and in some cases a high three star. He, he was going to Kentucky. Yeah. And, and Tennessee's former staff liked, I mean, there, there were other schools that liked him. Texas A&M was involved there. He was not a, an under the radar prospect by any means, but this was not a top five quarterback prospect in the country. He went there, waited his turn, developed that staff, developed him. And he's, he ends up being a Heisman contender and, and going to the NFL draft uh, and, and has a chance to be a first round pick. So now Ty Simpson and guys like that, I think see that. And I think in Ty Simpson's mind, he, he thinks, I think I'm a little more talented, just raw talent than Mac Jones was coming out of high school. I think I can go there. I believe in my abilities. I think I can go there and do the same thing he did essentially, if not more and be a first round pick in three or four years. And that's like you said, it's hard to argue with that logic at least. So I think fans have to understand that. And until Tennessee gets things turned around and until Josh Heupel has more of a track record to sell at Tennessee, it's going to be tough in those head-to-head battles with a, with a program like that to to pull those out, no matter no matter what the pull in state, you know, or otherwise. And and uh, before we move on, remember remember Brandon Warren, remember Cade Mays, um, you know, keep those things in mind as you're right as you're the 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 things and messages you're sending to these young men right now, you know. And and, and to be fair, I I think most people, uh, as far as I can tell, more people aren't than than are not are doing that. 
So I think that's good to see. But again, you never know how these things are going to end. It's a transient era of the game. Just you know, see what happens and uh, see where you go from there. I mean, you, you just you never know in recruiting. Never close a door. Never close a door. Never ever ever close a door in recruiting. You never know. Ryan, before uh, we step out of here uh, to get to a break, where and it's early, right? I mean, these were the top quarterbacks on Tennessee's board. So with that said. Now where do you see this thing going? Because you want to sign a quarterback in every class. You never want to sign a class without one. Obviously, Heupel knows the position. I'm sure there were guys he was targeting when he was at UCF. I mean, this guy has has coached Heisman winners. This guy has almost won the Heisman himself at quarterback. He knows the position. I don't think people should be too worried about that. Where do you think they're going to start looking now? Yeah, we, we, well, as I mentioned, we, we've already seen them hand out a couple new offers on Sunday uh, as I think they became you know more fully aware of just how soon Sam Horn was going to make a decision. I think they knew they were battling to make up some ground there, but as it became apparent, he was about to announce a commitment. They went ahead and offered Taven Jackson out of Indiana, uh, who is currently a three-star prospect on 24-7 sports, but his stock has started to skyrocket. He's got... Uh, frankly, more offers than Sam Horn right now. If you're into looking at offer lists and those types of things, he's up to 27 offers according to his 24 seven sports profile. Uh, and you know, some big time programs have jumped in the race for him, Michigan, uh, Texas, A&M, Florida, Florida state, uh, you know, Arkansas, Missouri was had offered him as well, Oregon. So there's some, there's some big time programs battling for him. So Tennessee's got some competition there. And again, just starting to build a relationship there. So that's the key. And he's a guy who it sounds like wants to take some visits still hasn't gotten to do much of that since his stock really started to rise. So I think he's not rushing to make a decision. So that's you know not something that's likely to wrap up very soon. Unlike, unlike uh, Sam Horn and then drew Aller from, uh, from Medina, Ohio, he is now, he, he was a big riser in, in the 24 seven sports uh, rankings in our latest update uh, just about uh, a little less than a week ago. Now, He's up in our top 100 nationally now and, and is a four-star in the 24-7 sports composite after this latest update. He's also over 20 offers. He, he's also gotten some big-time offers lately. He's a guy. He's a bigger-built guy, uh, that, you know, the kind you don't always see in high school. He's already in the 220 to 230-pound range. That is a, he looks that, a little bit. That is a big old high school quarterback. Yeah, 6'5", th- I mean, he's, he's got kind of the Ben Roethlisberger build is what he looks like on tape with that. Uh, the way, But he can move uh, a lot like Roethlisberger and, and does some – does some really good things with mixing up his arm angles when he, when he's throwing on the run can kind of throw sidearm and different things to, uh, to, to, to squeeze a ball past a defender or do whatever he has to do there. So he's uh, he, he, I really like his film and, and not surprised to see Tennessee and some other big programs offer him since February 1st, he's gotten Texas A&M, Washington, South Carolina, Indiana, Georgia tech, Ole Miss, Louisville, and Notre Dame in addition to Tennessee. Um, so you can see that there are some big time programs, uh, recently starting to identify him as a, as a pretty big talent. So those are, those are the two guys I think Tennessee's focused on right now, but we'll see if there are other offers. Again, they're just jumping in the race on those guys. Um, they might find out that they've got some, some, some serious competition. They might not be able to overtake. We don't, we don't know exactly where things stand with that yet since it just started, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see more offers one name that hasn't come up, but I'll throw this one out there just as a, a dark horse. I think he might. Uh, be a that's what I was going to, I was going to ask you that. So I'm glad you're, you're saying it already a L- little bit down the list right now, but just, uh, just one offer that I was a little bit surprised since he hasn't been involved with yet, but I think that probably tells you he's a little down the board, but Connor Harrell is a guy at Thompson high school in Alabaster, Alabama. He, he is uh, that's a talent filled program down there. He had a really good junior season. 
And I mentioned him earlier, Tennessee's former staff had offered him and had some contact with him. Uh, and interesting, I mentioned him because UCF had offered him under Josh Heupel. So that's a, that's a common connection there, at least a guy that was on Tennessee's radar before who UCF also had offered. There aren't many of those in this class right now. So at least a name to file away just in case Tennessee does have to go further down its board uh, as someone to watch. I, I, I like his game and think he could be at least an option down the down the list, but it seems like Tennessee is focused on Taven Jackson and Drew Aller right now, and, and we'll see uh, see where things go from there. But I think they're still looking around, and you certainly could see other offers at quarterback, and it, it, it may be a tough class. I and mean, let's face it, it's kind of late in the game for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks yes. tend to commit early by the summer most years. That's why Sam Horn is going ahead and claiming his spot while he still has time. Uh, you don't want to miss out if you're a quarterback on having your first choice. So uh, you're going to see more dominoes continue to fall. And Tennessee is jumping in just now on some of these guys, and it's it's going to be tough in some cases. So it may be one of those years that the timing of the hire does make things difficult for Tennessee. And, and you know, Josh Heupel's track record certainly helps, but you still have to have that relationship and make up for lost time. So uh, we'll see where, where Tennessee ends up. But I think that's uh, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a battle right now for any of these guys they get because they're kind of starting from scratch with a relationship. I think that's a good way to put it, and that's a good way to end this segment because – this is going to be something that's discussed over the next several weeks and months, and we've got a full off-season of this stuff too. So this stuff, uh, recruiting recruiting never, ever sleeps, just like the uh, the army of small children at Ryan's house. Uh, Ryan, you got, you got anything else before we step away here and go to break? No, that's uh, I think a good place to leave it. We've got some good coverage up uh, from the past couple of days from the, the Rocky Top 7-on-7 uh, Classic up in Gatlinburg. Good stuff from uh, there, good stuff from there. A lot, a lot of uh, in-state guys uh, that are Tennessee targets for at that events so uh so definitely a lot of in-state storylines in this class with the 2022 class being so talented and a lot to a lot to keep track of from some of those guys that were at that tournament uh uh a fast rising safety diarco perkins McAllister was one of the standout performers there uh keaton and destin wade who i think are becoming more important to tennessee in state so go check all that out on go balls 24 7 and uh we'll have as you said plenty more recruiting stuff to discuss in the coming weeks tennessee continues to look for that first commitment to get things started in the 2022 class that seems like a good place to end the first segment, guys. We're going to thank Ryan for his time, and then we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and be right back here on the Go Boss 24-7 podcast with the life of the party, Grant Ramey. Hashtag ad. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ad you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Going to be joined here in just a second uh, from Grant Ramey down at the Go Vols 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office in Merville talking a little Tennessee basketball, which, if we're being honest, may not be. Um, maybe every bit is... Uh, unenjoyable as the uh, topic of the first segment while I was talking about Tennessee football quarterback recruiting. So not a lot of uh, – this is n- not the sunniest edition of the podcast that we're going to have. But what is nice is right now we have to offer you a deal on 24-7 sports. That is an offer that you cannot get anywhere else. Right now on the site we've got uh, – you can get your first annual subscription or first year's annual subscription for 50% off. 50% off of an already ridiculously low price for GoBoss 24-7. And on top of that, we will immediately give you access to CBS All Access, which on Friday becomes Paramount Plus and means you get even more stuff. So again, uh, what you already have with CBS All Access is uh, everything in the uh, CBS catalog, every show ever made, commercial-free, tons of, uh, you know, shows that you can only get on there, including Picard and some other really, really good shows. Uh, you can also get live sports, including uh, Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, SEC sports, NCAA tournament, March Madness, PGA Tour, NFL, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, also stuff from the catalogs of uh, Comedy Central, MTV, BET, uh, Nickelodeon, and Smithsonian. And then on Friday, that gets even more because it becomes Paramount Plus. Same thing. It's the same exact thing, but with more. So that is a $100 plus annual value that we are giving you on top of what's already a really, 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 really good price. In fact, it's such a good price that the train uh, that runs here next to Fort Rucker Studio, the, the train's coming by right now, and it's, it's honking its horn because that's how good of a deal this is. Also, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but please, while you're doing this, take a minute out of your day right now, hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you in the world you can cast the fine pod, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find the GoVols 24-7 podcast. And there's nothing you can do that will help us more than rating and reviewing this podcast. It, It takes a minute out of your day, and you have no idea how much it helps us as we continue to just soar up the charts like uh, Casey Kasem, counting them down. We're going up every single week. It's, it's been really, really fun to be a part of this, and we're going to keep doing it and keep doing it for free, but that's the only thing we're going to ask is that you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Now that my voice is completely scratchy, let's go down to the GoVols 24-7 Blunt County Satellite Office in Merville, Tennessee. Speak with Grant Ramey, who's going to speak with us about Tennessee basketball, which... Uh, as we sort of predicted last week, it was going to go one to one because, hey, that's what it's done for, you know, the past six weeks. Uh, Tennessee really should have taken care of Vanderbilt more than it did on Wednesday, did not do that. And then Saturday, without Sharif Cooper, uh, Auburn still beats Tennessee. Bruce Pearl's mastery of Rick Barnes continues, much like Rick Barnes' mastery of John Calipari continues. Just one of those things, how it goes. Uh, but Saturday was just not a good loss, and it was not a good loss at not a good time. And Tennessee is now finally out of the top 25 poll just six weeks after being ranked number six nationally. Grant, what in the hell is going on with this bunch? It's not just that Bruce beats Rick six times in a row. It's that when this streak started in January 2018, uh, who knew at the time that it was going to deny them an outright uh, SEC regular season title that season? 
Uh, and then they go to Auburn in 2019 and they lose that game at Auburn. That denies them, I think, on the last day of the season, if I'm not mistaken, the outright SEC title or even a, a share of it with, yeah. I believe, LSU, um, if my memory is correct there. Then, obviously, the SEC tournament title game when Auburn's playing its fourth game in four days since he's had one of its best seasons in, in program history. It comes off a huge win against Kentucky, uh, and Auburn wins by 20, running away from Tennessee. They couldn't miss a shot. Then there's that 18-0 run at Auburn. I mean, there's so many things. Samir Dowdy scored 32 in Knoxville last year, if you remember that. I think that was mm-hmm. the last game Tennessee ended up playing because of COVID, canceling everything in the postseason. So it's not just that Tennessee fans have to watch Bruce Pearl beat Tennessee over and over and over. It's the circumstances that are in each game. And it felt like going into this one, Sharif Cooper, obviously that's your big break. You should beat an Auburn team that was really bad without Sharif Cooper and and just kind of decent with Sharif Cooper, despite how crazy good Sharif Cooper is. I mean, he averaged 20 and eight in his 12 games uh, that he has played this season. So to not have the kind of effort to get out worked, to get out hustled, have another game where turnover is an issue to get beat on the glass the way they did to get give up 19 second chance points and 16 offensive rebounds. Uh, I mean, this team had enough problems going into that game, but it just felt like rebounding and effort was another problem that, you know, effort maybe has been there, but rebounding, it feels like they've been decent at times or enough to, to hold their own at times. Um, and where this team is, man, it's, it's, it's free fall mode. Um, for the last six weeks, uh, they split games the last three weeks. They haven't won more than, two games in a row since January 16th and now it's March and, and everything about March is how many games can you win in a row? So I don't know if the postseason is going to flip any switches here and wake this team up. And maybe they realize it's finally time to, uh, you know, do your business or get off the pot. Um, we're going to find that out. Um, but they do, it's kind of fortunate. They get a week off between Auburn and Florida on Sunday. Uh, and then they get another few days off before opening the postseason either uh, next Thursday or Friday in the SEC tournament. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm count me in with the the many of people who believe that you you really can't, you know, reinvent the wheel in a week. Like you can't change everything that you're doing. It's not possible uh, to play basketball. I, I don't think for for you know to to try to play more or less a certain way, and then to change all of that in a week. Um, but if you are if you try to be a glass half full person, the actual positives I can see from this are. I think stepping away for a day or ideally maybe even two days could really help this Tennessee team, one, get some guys healthy, and two, just let some guys clear their heads uh, because clearly something is not right. Now, it's probably probably not just one thing, um, but, you know, and it's not just that this team isn't as good as we thought it was, in my opinion. Look at what Kansas is doing right now. Uh, look at Look at Kansas over the weekend being the first team this season to beat Baylor. It's. I know it's a weird sport and anything can happen on any given day, but something with this team is not trending in the right direction. I, I don't know. People don't look comfortable with their roles. John Fulkerson just does not have almost any energy right now to the point where at this point I think you got to wonder why is he playing more minutes than Olivier Kumwa? You know, what is it with the dumb turnovers? Why does this team just keep giving away possessions? Clearly, something is amiss with this team. And what's frustrating to me, Grant, is that we're not around as much as usual to really sort of understand. Because, you know, we have sources. We trust them. We feel like we've got as as good an idea as anybody does, really, that's outside the program in terms of what's going on. 
But normally being able to see some of this stuff firsthand would give it a lot more context. And that's just me speaking. You might disagree. But it's just kind of tough to understand exactly how this thing has gone, if not off the rails, threatening to go off the rails. I mean, you can almost, you know, throw a dart at the board and see what it lands on. You could probably blame whatever category it lands on. I mean, uh, I think it begins and ends with John Fulkerson. You're a different team when he's productive, and he's simply not a productive basketball player right now. Um, Keon Johnson had the turnover problems at Vanderbilt. I think he had six, four in the first half. Uh, and then Fulkerson turns around and has three in the first three minutes uh, at Auburn Saturday. You can't have that. I mean, he scored four early points, but you can't turn the ball over three times uh, and expect to, to you know, do anything of value for your team to give your team what it needs, which is, you know, double-figure scoring, eight or nine rebounds. I mean, that's what they need from John Fulkerson, what they've seen from him uh, in the past. We mentioned rebounding. We, I mean, we've mentioned effort. Rick Barnes said after the game, confidence is an issue for this team. He said he thought fear might be an issue uh, for this team. And the, the, crazy, the craziest thing is for the last three or four weeks, they say all the right things and they talk about all their problems openly and how badly they need to be fixed, but they don't get fixed. I mean, that's that's issue number one is there's some disconnect from whatever they're talking about to whatever they're executing on the floor. I mean, that timeout they took, Eve Ponce, it's a jumper with 317 left, something like that, to get it back to six. Uh, Rick Barnes takes a timeout as soon as the ball goes in the bucket. Uh, they go into that timeout. They, repeat, they have to repeat whatever their assignment is on the way out of the huddle to make sure they got it. And then Auburn has a wide-open dunk on the other end because Keon Johnson misses a switch. I mean, that's this team in a nutshell, where you can go back to that sequence uh, at the end of the first half where E.J. Anasicki fouls Auburn with four seconds left. And then for whatever reason, Tennessee inbounds to Eve Pons, and it's only Eve and John Fulkerson in the backcourt, and they bring it up, and he takes a timeout, Eve does, with .4 seconds left um, after getting the ball past half court. I mean, those kind of sequences kind of at this point define this team because it seems like it should make complete sense to them why this shouldn't be happening but they can't make enough sense of it to not let it keep happening and right now it just keeps happening and i'll tell you you talk about some frustrating stats when you go on the road and you shoot a better percentage both from the field and the three-point line than your opponent you should expect to win that basketball game you, you just see Tennessee made 11 threes, and it felt like they were never in the game in the second half. Yes. Tennessee. I mean, the game, the game was tied. I shouldn't say that. The game was tied at one point, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah with, but, with about 10 minutes ago or 11 minutes ago. Right, and then Auburn scored four straight, and it kind of felt like, even in that game, when you're down five, it felt like you're down 15 because it felt like there's two and a half, three minutes between every made shot. But, yeah, 11 threes, and it felt like they weren't in it in the final 10 minutes. Yeah, and, you know, Tennessee shot – I mean – Tennessee held Auburn to shooting 40% from the field and 34.6% from three-point range. Uh, now, of course, the difference you could say Tennessee attempts 10 free throws, Auburn attempts 37 free throws. Uh, yes, that is kind of crazy, especially since Auburn shot 26 threes and Tennessee shot 28 threes. Um, that, you would not expect the, 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 the gap to be quite that wide, um, but Auburn was very clearly the aggressor in that game. And it, and it actually takes me back to a quote that Bruce Pearl – said several times when he was Tennessee's coach and one that I totally agree with officials usually give the benefit of the doubt to the aggressors whoever is the aggressor in the game not always but usually gets the benefit of the doubt and Auburn played in my opinion significantly harder than Tennessee did and you know Auburn did that despite every single starter playing I believe 30 minutes 
Um, no one played more than like one guy played 17 minutes off the bench. Another guy played 12 minutes off the bench. So Auburn was not playing m- more guys. It, it, Auburn was a little bit depleted. And Auburn, a team with nothing to play for in the postseason, a team that cannot go to the postseason, and is sit, sitting there playing harder than Tennessee. And Tennessee uh, just does not have a postgame right now. And, and I, I, for the life of me, I do not understand why. And I hope, I just hope, 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 that something comes out this season, after this season, about what actually is wrong with John Fulkerson. I hope it's not just like a mental funk. Is, does that sound bad to say that I hope it's – I hope there's a physical issue there? Does that – I mean, because that sounds awful when you say it, but, you know, I just hope something's going on with him that can justify him playing the way he is. Well, I mean, no, it's not wrong because you can fix something that's wrong. If, if it's just a funk, you have to – find a way to snap out of a funk if there's something ailing him i mean this is this isn't the end of his basketball career he could come back and play next season at tennessee if he if he wanted to and if tennessee wanted to back he could go play you know wherever the next step in his basketball career is so you want him to be able to fix it because he deserves better uh than what he's been the last you know x number of weeks for whatever the uh, reason it is a year ago we saw him how he could carry a team uh, and do what he had to do. I mean, we saw it the first 10, 12 games this, this season. I mean, he had a double-double the second game of the year against uh, Cincinnati uh, in a game that, you know, Tennessee doesn't win that without Fulkerson. They don't win a lot, some of those early games, Colorado and Cincinnati, without Fulkerson doing what he did. So, yeah, you, you want a reason to be able to explain all of this, not only Fulkerson, but just kind of where the confidence has gone on this team, where the fire has gone, where the aggression has gone. I mean, I'm a believer that, if you want to get to the free throw line, you can get to the free throw line. There's there's going to be games where it's laughably one-sided on whistles, and we've all seen that in college basketball. But to to get outshot 37 to 10 on the free throw line, that's not a that's not an Auburn problem or an official problem. That's a you problem. Uh, if Auburn's going to make 24 free throws more than almost two and a half times what you attempted, that's because you didn't have the same effort, energy, aggression to attack the rim to attack contact to get to the foul line. Yeah, and I have, you know, I've been trying to come up with theories, right? Because, you know, right now, without being able to see the team much at all in person, I mean, you're there in the arena for games. Um, You know, there's only like 10 people who can get in there, so every outlet gets no more than one, so you're the guy there. And then for practice, there's there's nothing. I mean, Tennessee hasn't even sent practice video in in months, Uh, so we get nothing there. We just get them occasionally on Zoom, and even that's happening less than it used to. But when you look at trying to, when you look at that situation, that le- that lends itself to trying to figure out more, maybe come up with more theories as to what's going on. And unless something is physically going on with Fulkerson, there's really maybe only two things I can think of. One is that there is some sort of a, an internal issue with guys not happy with their roles or guys who won't embrace their roles, or guys who are not getting along. That's one. And the second thing, and I've started to think about this a little bit more over the weekend, is that we've been around Rick Barnes and his program, and we've said several times that Rick Barnes coaches you unbelievably hard every single day. He does not back off. He does not give you an inch. Now, when you're off the court, you're off the court, and he's like your uncle. But when you're on the court, I mean – he will stop. I mean, Grant, we've all seen this. He will stop a play 10 different times, just one play, you know, in a set piece. 
and trying to make sure if anybody does the slightest thing wrong, like if they're standing six or eight inches away from where they're supposed to, he will stop the entire practice and give that person the business. He's just really, really committed to doing things his way. And that can be hard for young players. And that can be something that can really wear on you. And I'm wondering now if in this COVID era that we're living in, and these guys have to make a lot of sacrifices to play right now. Like, you know, for instance, I'll say personally, like my wife and I have not been out to a restaurant. Um, We've gotten to go dinners all the time, but we've not sat down and and eaten a meal in a restaurant in more than a year. Um, We've tried to keep local businesses going by, you know, doing to-go orders and pickup and things like that. Um, But we're not, you know, nobody's going really to many parties. Nobody's, you know, we're we're doing all these things and, and that's just us. Like these guys have to stay as close as they can to a bubble pretty much all the time for themselves and their teammates and for the success of their season. So they don't have as many outlets to get away from this. And I know how difficult it can be to play for Barnes. He'll make you a better player, but you'll have to fight through it and you'll have to really, really earn it. And I wonder if right now the frustration he's got with this team is not being reciprocated in their frustration with him and they just need a break from each other. That, that's one thing I keep thinking about because if it's not something physically with Fulkerson, then those are the only two things I can think of. Am I, am I just wasting breath here, Grant, or is there anything you've thought about? I mean, if there's, if there's internal strife on this team and if there's personality issues or, or players clashing or something, I haven't heard anything about it. Neither which have I. I think Neither I have I. hear about it at this point. And, and I mean, Keon Johnson and, and Jaden Springer have kind of taken over the last few weeks but I think it was more because they had to take over because nobody else was taking over. They needed somebody to score. Uh, you know, Jaden Springer played nine minutes in the first game of the season against Colorado. Keon and Jaden didn't start together until early in SEC play. They, I don't think they were given anything. I don't think anybody would uh, look down at them for, for just waltzing and kind of being allowed to take over. I think they've kind of earned kind of the roles that they've taken. I think the Agreed. biggest problem right now, and I don't think Rick, his coaching style, I don't think it should affect Josiah or Santiago or Olivier or Fulkerson or Eve because they've been here and they've done that. They know what this guy is. They know what he's all about. They know how it can work, how it doesn't work, how to handle the overly tough days, and you know how to take everything in stride and keep moving forward. Um, I think with role-playing, I don't think it's a refusal to play roles. I think it's a confusion over what your role is, which is sounds crazy to say, because it's the calendar says March 1st and, and here we are still talking about role players and, and how this team uh, can function. But, you know, some nights it's Victor Bailey scoring like he has uh, three out of the last four games. Some nights it's Jaden Springer scoring 30. Sometimes it's Keon scoring 23 like he did against Auburn. Um, the only roles we know right now are, are kind of those guys forcing the issue when they have to. Uh, Santiago haven't really heard much from him in a while. Josiah has been struggling to get back from his wrist injury. Fulkerson we haven't heard from. Uh, Eve Pons has, has stepped up, but it's kind of felt like it's been up and down with him or hit or miss. I don't think it's a refusal to play roles, long story short. I think it's a still confusion of what your role is or how to play it or how to play it the right way. I think that's a really good point that that really needs to be mentioned about Josiah Jordan-James. I think this team, he is so important to this team. And right now, he you know, it's hard to shoot when you have a bad shooting wrist, like it it affects everything in your basketball game. And we know now this has been bothering him since what the Kansas game and, and and that's 
Okay. A month ago. Yeah. I mean, that's, you can start seeing some things there. O- okay. That makes some sense. I, I just meant like, I know these guys know what to expect with Barnes. I just wonder if, because they're not able to get away from it as much right now, I wonder if it just wears on you a little bit more when you're in a bubble. I, I just, I've always right. thought of Barnes as someone who, you know, you need some escapism. Like he needs it from you and you need it from him. Like at times, and, and, and to be fair to Rick Barnes, in the offseason, he is as good to his assistant coaches as anyone I have ever seen in terms of like, not only do I not want you to be here for like a week or eight or 10 days, I want you to not like work. He's like, I don't want you to work remotely. I want you to not work. Take your family to the beach, go to the mountains, go see your parents, you know, do whatever you need to do. We can pick up the slack, just go away. And he is great about that stuff. Um, because when he's, when you're in there with him, when you're in the foxhole, it's, it's a lot of work. It's serious work. I just wonder if, not being able to get away right now maybe makes things tougher. Or I wonder if this is something as simple as something's clearly wrong with Fulkerson and something's clearly wrong with James. We know what it is with James. We don't know what it is with Fulkerson. And that's where they are. Because those two guys are so important to what they want to do in the postgame. And, and right now, as Rick Barnes said, they don't have a postgame. And, and I wonder yeah. now why, Grant, that's why I was going to ask you, Olivier Comal has not played, as far as I can tell, at all, in the second half of the past two games. And we've seen some stuff from him that makes you wonder, he looks like he's turning a corner. But Barnes just clearly does not trust him in the second half of games. No, and he's going to have to get a longer leash because he's he's forcing John Fulkerson and it's not working. He's forcing him in the first half. He's forcing him in the second half. He's given minutes to Fulke in the second half that he could give to Olivier. Uh, and they're probably more productive. Um, I, I think the answer moving forward for this team is probably more small ball with even the five and four guards out there whenever uh, Josiah gets healthy, if he does get healthy enough to be productive. And, and you're right, you can't overstate the absence of Josiah and, and the way he struggled to get back from the wrist injury because he didn't average huge numbers across the board, but he averaged so many numbers in so many categories that helps you when you take that away. It hurts you in a lot of different areas. And, and, and the decision-making that he that he has on offense. Right, and, and Rick's explanation after Vandy, why he didn't play Olivier in the second half, he said it was matchups, they wanted to go small ball, but they played Fulkerson 10 minutes in that second half. Uh, it was the same situation at Auburn. Fulkerson played 10 minutes when you could have been given uh, Olivier those minutes. And, and when Rick talks to the media, it's a little bit of a different schedule this week with no midweek game, but when he talks, He's going to get asked about Corey Walker and why we haven't seen him. I mean, why are there no more? Why are you not looking for more answers in the post when clearly Fulkerson's not the answer? Olivier can't stay on the floor. EJ Anasicki can barely get on the floor to begin with. Uh, Euros Plasic can't get on the floor. Um, at this point, why not try to figure out what you've got from everybody? Because clearly from the guys you're forcing out there the most, John Fulkerson, namely, you're not getting what you want. And, and I think – you know, Rick Barnes has said that you need to earn what you do on a daily basis at Tennessee. And I think most of that is true. However, I think we have seen this before. Once you earn his trust and once you earn his respect, you have it. For better or for worse, you have it. And we saw this again where there were times we found out after the fact that Lamonte Turner couldn't even shoot and was trying to teach himself to shoot left-handed because that's how bad his shoulder was. Uh, and at times he was just completely not a factor on offense scoring the ball because he couldn't shoot it because his shoulder wouldn't let him. And he's still out there playing almost every minute of every game. We've seen this now with Fulkerson, where 
Yes, he's playing fewer minutes, but he's still playing 20-plus minutes in just about every game. You know, he's still out there doing that. Once you prove yourself to him, Rick Barnes just seems to me like the kind of guy who will say, you know what, at the end of the day, I just trust John Fulkerson more than I do Olivier Cumwa, and it, when games are on the line, I'm going to go with Fulky. I think that's just how he is. I got a lot of I got a lot of box scores to point at and say I don't think you should trust this guy. Oh, I agree. I'm I mean, saying I think I think I, 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 I think the, I think I think the way he's wired makes me. I think we've seen this before with him. Well, he's also wired for a lot of mid range jumpers with a team that can't shoot very well. I mean, that's just it is what it is. This team is. I mean, that's just you know that's that's one of the many reasons or one of the many categories in which this team frustrates its fan base to no end is. I mean, why is Fulky out there and why are other people not trying to get his minutes or not given a chance to get his minutes? Why, I don't know, why don't they play to their strengths more than they do? Why do they look lifeless? And like you mentioned, Auburn had nothing to play for in that game. It's 11 a.m. local time tip. You don't have your best player. Uh, Your season's over in a week and a half uh, or two weeks or whenever uh, because you're not going to the postseason. You you self-imposed your postseason ban months ago. Um, There's no excuse to get outplayed or out-hustled or anything in that game. And and here they are doing the same things. We're still talking about the same things we've been talking about for three weeks. Uh, and it's like there's no more explanation after a game than there is while you're watching the game. That thought did, before we get out of here, Grant, that thought did go across my mind when, you know, Barnes after the Auburn game said that, you know, because of the rebounding and toughness and the lack of post game, they were going to have to look at some things in the offseason about really how they did things in their program. And in my mind at that point, I, uh, I, I, I didn't do it, but I almost thought about hitting, like unmuting myself in the press conference and going like, <coughs> mid-range, <coughs> mid-range. Uh, if you're going to change things about the way you're playing basketball right now, uh, either recruit guys who can make those shots again or stop taking them. Because, you know, Tennessee consistently, pretty consistently, really does get about a third of its shots around the rim, a third of its shots mid-range, and a third from three, because that's the way he wants to play basketball. And that's fine. I don't love it, but if that's the way you want to play basketball, bro, you've won 725 more games than anyone on this podcast combined. But if something's not working, it's not working. And I I just wonder, um, you know, he's a guy who has shown some impulsive, impatient tendencies before. And this, to me, looks like a time where you would want to, you know, you'd you'd want to tug on that string. Because what do you have – to lose at this point the way you're playing the game right now uh you're not going to last long in either tournament you're just not you're going to be in both of them but you're not going to last long so and and he talked about you know maybe playing some lineups with Keon Johnson at the power forward and going super small um and if Victor Bailey could play defense man that could really work um but he's just not a very good defender so he has to score points when he's out there um because he you know it reminds me of what um years ago uh, it was um I believe, who was it? It was someone on the team said this about uh, Scooter uh, McFadden years ago. Uh, He said, I think it was Major Wingate said about Scooter McFadden, he better score 25 because whoever's guarding him is going to get 30. (laughs) You know, because he was like, I love Scooter, man. But but if Scooter doesn't score 25 or 30, he ain't helping us because whoever's guarding him is going to score more than that. And he said that on the record. He didn't care. And I, that, Part of me goes there with Bailey because how can you be such a great athlete and not defend well? Um, but he's one of the few guys who's sort of been scoring the ball with some consistency lately. So, I mean, I'm not going to say all defense, hope is. Oh, go ahead. Defense is a, a completely different 
you know, can of worms to open. I mean, go back to early in the season, Cincinnati, Colorado, um, Missouri at Missouri to open SEC schedule. I mean, the way they played defense with the energy, with the effort, um, it was like good luck scoring 60 on this team. And if you can hold the team to 53 points like they did Missouri, it's, it's easy to win those games like they did Colorado, like they did Cincinnati. Um, they held Kansas to 61. I mean, it's easy to win games when you play that kind of defense. And so much of defense is effort, I mean, and just energy and wanting to uh, play that way on the defensive end. And then Georgia has a 55-point second half, and uh, LSU has a 47-point half, and uh, Kentucky has a 45-point first half uh, in Knoxville a couple weeks ago. That's a that's a whole the where the defense has gone and just kind of where the energy and life of this team has gone is is a, is a whole another subject for a, a completely different day. I I do agree. I hope we with you that we learn more about this team after the season than what we've learned during the season. The the important thing is that they know it and they're inside the program. That's the most important thing. However, it would be nice if the rest of us could know it too. <laughs> you know, that's right. that 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 would be nice because right now all I can say is the uniforms look nice. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's you know they still look good in their uniforms. Those are some big, strong dudes. Um, just maybe, it's, maybe it's COVID fatigue. Maybe it's something else. I, I don't know what it is, but but something clearly uh, is not not going right at all. And uh, Tennessee has got approximately oh a week and a half to figure this out. So and ten, Tennessee's not alone in this. I mean, North Carolina's got talent. They've had a down year. Duke's got talent. They've had a down year. Michigan State's got talent. They've had a down year. The what makes it really hard to explain is program. I mean, it's just like football season. Some programs are handling it fine or having normal seasons in our elite, like Michigan, like Gonzaga, uh, even like Baylor. Uh, we're going to see if Baylor, they had eight players get COVID, had a few weeks off, uh, and lost by what 15 something at Kansas Saturday night. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go from here. But some teams handle it fine, and other teams uh, are struggling right now. And unfortunately, Tennessee's one of those teams. But you know what? A sad thought to end on here, Grant, is it's been a really rough year for the Blue Bloods, right? Right? You're talking UNC. Um, you know, but 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 aside from that, you're you're talking Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, uh, Michigan State. Those four blue bloods having a having a really mediocre year. But you know what? All four of them are playing their best basketball right now. That's true. Kansas is playing its I, best I basketball it. right now. Kentucky is. Um, Duke is. You know, they're 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 all Michigan State might get its way into the tournament now. All four of those teams are playing their best ball right now. Imagine uh, I saw, a, I think it was a Jerry Palm bracket that had North Carolina on Sunday as an 11 seed. Uh, ma- imagine that Tennessee, North Carolina, 6 11 seed game <laughs> in oh, the first God. round. Uh, and then what I do know, wow. what I do know is if Tennessee's a six seed or a seven seed or they play their way up to a five seed, they will be unanimously, unanimously picked against by everybody that fills out a bracket on, on television. They oh, will God, be, yes. Take take whoever it is. I saw one matchup. It was like Drake against Tennessee. Take Drake in that match. I mean, everybody's gonna everybody's gonna do that. We've been really optimistic, and I think now we should probably quit while we're being really optimistic and giving everybody all sorts of this hope and optimism and other good fun things. Here's a here's a good news. Tennessee could play up to a number three seed if everything goes right in the SEC tournament. There you go. This this week. Here's some bad news. Tennessee could fall all the way to number seven. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, in the it could. SEC tournament. It could, and um, it, it's so that's fun, man. I mean, but you know what? It's a postseason sport, and to quote uh, the late great Cal Ermer, "Hope springs eternal." 
Hope once the pre once the postseason starts, this is a postseason sport. You've played well enough to get yourself there, uh, and then the season starts over when you do. And there's a lot of programs where that's how you're judged, how you do there. So hey, if if Tennessee goes on a run here in March, all's well it ends well, right? What what made you tough? What made you struggle during the the, the regular season makes you stronger later on. Hey, you never know, man. Stranger things have happened. Uh, I'm not going to rule it out. This team has enough talent to do some things. It, it doesn't look likely right now, and I would not bet on it, but you can't rule it out. There's enough talent on this team. There's not a lot of teams out there that have two, you know, first-round picks at guard right now in their backcourt. Not a nope. lot. But uh, that's where it is now, Grant. Uh, I, I don't know why I always ask you this, but I will. You got anything else? Yeah, hope springs eternal. That's the that's the motto of my life. I got it tattooed <laughs> across my back. There you go. That is a good place to end it with Grant. And as soon as I can get the button, that will be a good place for us to end this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. I found it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Apologies for my voice. It's just that time of year. Uh, you got to do what you got to do to get through it. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to Facebook at facebook.com slash govals247 and get stuff there. But if you want the best, most delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water, just right from the source. And I could use some East Tennessee Mountain Spring water with some honey in it right now. That's what my voice could use right now. But you can go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, tons of stuff there. Lady Vols, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. And they are playing pretty good basketball right now and are a hot team going into the postseason. So some good stuff to look forward to there. Uh, Or... You can get all of that. Reminder, you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And right now, on top of that, you can get 50% off of that. 50% off of an annual subscription right now until Wednesday at GoVols247.com. Go do that. And if you do that, you get access to CBS All Access, which becomes Paramount Plus on Friday. And you get all of that for free. And you just heard me mention uh, about 20, 25 minutes ago, everything you get with that. But let me tell you, bottom line is, that's $100 of an annual value that we put in your pocket every year, no questions asked. So not only are we giving you basically 50 plus bucks off of an already really good deal, we're just going to give you 100 bucks every year on top of it. $100 annual value plus right there in your pocket. You cannot beat that. You can't. It's, it's the best deal out there. You can't do it. Please go rate and review this podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast. If nothing else, if there's no crazy breaking news, you should hear from us on Thursday. Where we'll have another. Uh, we'll have some Tennessee basketball updates heading into the weekend game. Uh, we'll have some more football, football recruiting to talk about, some more baseball to talk about, all kinds of fun stuff. So until then, wash your freaking hands, wear your freaking masks, be freaking nice to each other, get on the freaking waiting list, get your freaking vaccine. Let's get through this. We can do it. And then we don't have to spend time listening to voices that sound like mine sound right now. See you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, 
highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.